If you're a government contractor, you likely know that you need a capability statement, but do you know the seven key elements that make up a great capability statement? Well, if you don't, today's episode is going to walk you through those key elements and how you can set up your capability statement to be a cut above everybody else that's out there with one. The first section that I want to talk about today is your corporate overview. Your corporate overview should be on your capability statement. It should be three to four sentences, maybe five sentences in some cases, and it should cover a little bit of the company, like the background of your company. So you was founded in, or you've been in business for X number of years, that sort of thing. You should have a little bit of that, but it shouldn't talk about just the company history. It should transition very quickly from we've been in business for 10 years to what you're actually doing for your clients. So the value you provide. I talk about this all the time, and I'm probably not going to go into it very deep today, but it's the value, the metrics that we want to talk about in that corporate overview. That's the key thing that you need to be talking about, not just when you were founded or something like that. So if you are a training company and you've trained 100,000 people, or if you've done 100,000 hours of training, or if you've trained people in every single state, depending on what those metrics are, those are some of the things that you want to talk about. If you have worked on over 2,000 projects, or something along those lines. That's a key metric you can talk about. The whole purpose of the corporate overview initially is to grab the attention of the contracting officer and make them understand that you've not only been in business for a while, you've actually done the things that you say you can do. A lot of companies are failing. That's just the bottom line. A lot of companies can't actually deliver on the promises they talk about. That's why it's so important initially to communicate your value inside your corporate overview so they know you're not like one of a thousand other companies that they've talked to that does what you do. So if you can communicate a couple of data points, just a couple of key metrics, you're going to stand out from everybody else. Now, another thing that you can sprinkle in your corporate overview is a little bit of your past performance. You can mention two or three major clients that you've worked with. The reason we want to mention this in the corporate overview is we want to grab their attention. We want them to see this. You're going to see that one of the other elements of the capability statement is your past performance area. The reason why we're putting this in two places is guess what? If I grab it and I see your metrics and then I don't read the rest of the sentence and as I start scanning the capability statement, I want that to be somewhere else so that it gets seen, it gets noticed. That may be one of the biggest mistakes that people make when they're writing a capability statement is they believe that everybody is going to read top to bottom the entire document. And that's not true. So it's good for you to actually duplicate some of the data in other areas, in other ways, whether it's graphically or something like that, because I may not read the words, but I'll see the graphic. So your corporate overview, that was number one. Your past performance, we've sort of talked about that a little bit. I would put in there like, your three biggest contracts, your three biggest wins, the three contracts you're most proud of, those go in there. I would also have like a repository of my past performance. Let's say that you are talking to the Air Force and you normally have on your capability statement some Army contracts and maybe a Coast Guard contract because those are actually your biggest. But if I'm talking to the Air Force and I've done one or two Air Force contracts, even if they're smaller, I'm going to swap out one or two of those other past performance pieces and put that into my past performance when I give that capability statement over to the Air Force contracting officer. That's
that's another thing most people don't understand. Most clients of ours don't have one capability statement. They have maybe a dozen versions of their capability statement. And even then, when you're talking to a contracting officer, you don't just give them the generic capability statement. After you're done with your conversation, you move things up and you highlight things in your capability statement to actually show them that you listened on the conversation and you're highlighting things that matter to them. It's kind of a, a, I would almost say like secret strategy, if you will, where just customizing that makes it look like you work with them and you understand them better than anybody does. And that's really, really powerful. Are you struggling to figure out how to get to the next level? If so, I want to encourage you to reach out to me. There's a link in the description for this podcast where you can actually click on that link and grab a time on my calendar. We'll set aside 30 minutes, talk about your business. I'll give you some tips and strategies to help you get to that next level. And if it makes sense and you want to talk about coaching, I can talk about some of those coaching options as well. So click the link in the description and I look forward to meeting you one-on-one for your strategy session. Now let's get back into this episode. The next area is kind of one of three. You're either going to do something that says areas of expertise, core competencies, or differentiators. You're not necessarily going to do all three. When it comes to areas of expertise and core competencies, those could be very specific to a skill you have. You know, your company has a certain skill, whether it's in cybersecurity or project management or janitorial service, whatever it is, those are like the core competencies of the company. And people like to have that. There's not a lot of real estate on your capability statement. So sometimes if the like NAICS codes and all that information really cover the core competencies, then you may swap that out and do something that says differentiators. And it's how you differentiate your company that's doing janitorial, cybersecurity, project management, whatever it is. How do you differentiate your company from other companies? It's one of three options there that you may choose just depending on what other real estate you need. The next area, number four here, is contract vehicles. I highly recommend you put on there that you have certain contract vehicles. If you have a GSA schedule, if you're on Oasis, if you're on NASA Soup, whatever those big monster contract vehicles are that you have, those are good to have on there. Now, you probably don't want to have 30 of them on there. You want to mention the main three to five contract vehicles that you have. Again, you want to go back and tailor that. So if I'm talking to an agency and I know they don't use NASA Soup, they don't use use Oasis. They don't use whatever it is. And the only way to know that is to go and do the research. So if you've done your research and you know they don't use that, then when you're talking to them and you give your capability statement to them at the end of that conversation, you know, after you've gone and modified it, you probably don't have those on there. You've modified it to what they are using. And that's part of why you have the conversation. It's what contract vehicles are you using to buy these products and services? The next thing that I want to talk about, this is number five, I think, is is your key corporate data. You want to include your key corporate data, your SAM UEI, your cage code. All of the key corporate data needs to be somewhere. It needs to be visible. You know, you've got your NAICS, your PSC codes. You don't necessarily have to put the descriptions of all of those. Simply having the code is usually good enough, but you want to have a spot for your key corporate data. It doesn't need to take up a ton of room on there, but it does need to be on there. The next one, number six, is your contact 
contact information, name, phone number, that sort of stuff. That definitely needs a spot on there. And then the last one that I'll talk about here is your certifications. I go either way on the certification things. I think if you have your 8A, your WSB, is ANC, whatever it may be, those are good to have on there, but I would not make that 25% of your document. I've seen people that use a huge amount of real estate for that, and I would rather dedicate more room to your past performance, to your corporate overview, to your areas of expertise, than just have giant logos on the document. Yes, you can have it, just make sure it doesn't take up a ton of real estate on that document. The last thing I want to mention here is kind of a bonus one. I might understand I might use awards that your company has received. I don't care if in 2009 you won an award for small business of the year, whatever. If you've not won something recently, it should not be on there. If it's not in the last year or two, then definitely pull that award off of there. If it's not a significant award, I would not include that. I see companies that put this in their signature block and they'll have like a mile long list of awards they've won going back to like 2004. Nobody cares that you won that award in 2004. What have you done recently? If you're going to list awards, make sure it's a really big award like business of the year, like an award that your client or customer has given out for small business of the year or whatever, or vendor of the year or something along those lines. Those are very important, especially if you're trying to sell within other silos of the agency, then that might be very, very relevant. But things that you won 10, 15, 20 years ago, probably not very relevant. I probably wouldn't include those. So if you haven't won anything in the last couple of years, just don't have a section about that. A lot of people like that section and oftentimes it's just not very valuable. I highly recommend you go through this list that I gave you today. Make sure you have a little bit of everything in there. And if you have questions, reach out and let me know what you're struggling with in there. I'll be happy to point you to to some documents. We have some free templates in Federal Access for capability statements, so you can get some really good ideas for that. And then I'm actually releasing another podcast two days from when we release this one. It's a great follow-up. It talks about the nine marketing tools that you need to be a government contractor. That's going to be episode 242. It's the next thing you should listen to. That one hasn't come out. Just wait for it just a little bit. That'll be out in a couple of days. But nine core marketing tools that you need for your government contracting business. That's the next podcast you should listen to after this one. I really hope you enjoyed this episode of Game Changers. If you did, please go like and share this episode on your social media, as well as rate and review the episode. That helps other government contractors find out about the podcast and benefit just like you. We'll see you next time.